want to welcome you once again. Glad to have you with me today as we get into the Word of God. I want to jump right in today. I'm going to do a teaching this morning. If I were to put a title on it, I would say that it's Omnipresence Meets Grace. Omnipresence Meets Grace. And it's going to take me about 40, 45 minutes to unwind this for you. And I think this is really an important teaching. So pay attention. Take a few notes. You might want to listen to it again. I want to start over today in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Familiar verses. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. God is speaking. He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. You've heard that verse before, I'm sure. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they don't return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I said it. All right. He, he starts out in verse 8. And he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And then he, 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 he takes it up a notch and he says, my ways are not your ways. Now what strikes me in those two verses, and I've, I've read those verses for years and years, what strikes me is he doesn't say that his thoughts cannot become our thoughts. Nor does he say our ways cannot become his ways. He's looking at them in a present condition and he's saying, you know what, what I'm thinking is not the way you think. And the way that I act is not the way that, that you act. But he said, I'm going to tell you something to whet your appetite. He said, when I, I send out my word, it doesn't return back void. And he draws the illustration of, of, of rain and snow. He says, when snow comes, rain comes, he said, it waters the earth. <clears throat> it doesn't return void. It waters the earth. And when it waters the earth, it helps produce an abundant harvest. Then he says, so shall it be with my word that I send out. It doesn't return back to me void. But it accomplishes everything that I send it to accomplish. So we're going to look at that today. And I want us to weigh out some truth on that. That God has sent out a word to us. That the abundance of grace and the gift of right standing has given to us. Apart from our efforts, you don't have any effort in the snow and the rain. There's nothing that you do to create the word that he speaks, right? But the word that he speaks to us through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, totally without our efforts, but based solely on the finished work of the cross, not only gives total glory to God, but it also leads us to some very profound revelations. And so when we're looking in light of what he said here, the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, has gifted to us a kingdom that he has prepared for us to live in on the planet Earth. And his word has equipped that kitchen, or equipped that kingdom. And the pantry in that kingdom kitchen is absolutely full of everything that we need spiritually and naturally to exist. Just as much as the garden was given, fully prepared to sustain Adam, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't it amazing that God always gives to man a finished work? It was a finished work that Adam lived in. 
Adam didn't have to finish the garden. It is the finished work that he has set us into called the kingdom now. The kingdom present. The kingdom that is within you. It is a finished work. And he's told us time and time again that that kingdom will supply all that we need as the garden supplied all that Adam needed. And the only labor that we need to do. Here's how we dress and keep our kingdom or our garden. If I can just draw the parallel of the, of the kingdom within you that is a finished work that has everything that we need. If I can just compare that to the garden that Adam lived in as a finished work, had everything that Adam needed. Right? Adam, all Adam had to do was dress it and keep it, right? The way that we dress and keep the kingdom is to enter into it by resting. Right? The only labor required to live in the fullness of the kingdom is, as Hebrew says, to labor to enter that rest. <laughs> and then sometimes that, that's a hard labor to rest. Especially, you know, if you're a, you're a type A personality or you're a real go-getter, it's hard for, it's, it is a labor to enter rest. But the kingdom operates out of that position of rest. Now, I always have to put a caveat there whenever I talk about rest. Because it doesn't mean you don't do anything. Rest is this. <clears throat> Resting in the Lord means that you do nothing till He speaks. But once He speaks, you respond. He initiates and you respond. That's how you dress and keep the garden, the kingdom. Now that, that, that might mean that you are busy, 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 which I, I find that He's always talking. There's always plenty for me to respond to. I don't lack for, for things to do that he's directed. But there may be times that you kind of shut down, that, he, that, he, that he's not saying anything. Don't, don't get panicky. Don't get nervous if, if you don't hear him talking, if you don't sense anything within. That's all right. Just, just shut it down. Sometimes that happens. But what you'll find is that you accomplish more without stress and without anxiety Resting in Him than you did with all your initiating and acting and trying to make it happen yourself. Why haven't we lived a lot of years trying to make it happen? Now that means there's going to have to be times that you get quiet. I suggest you get quiet every day. I suggest that you take some time every day and just quiet yourself and renew your mind maybe to some new ways of thinking. Begin to think on things that are good, pure, perfect, lovely, and a good report. Think on things that have praise and virtue. Think on those things. And I'm going to give you some suggestions in just a couple of minutes. So you've already learned to do that to a degree. When, when you first embraced a radical grace, when you first got the grace teaching, when at first the light came on, you couldn't explain it, you couldn't talk about it, you couldn't convince anybody of it, but you knew it, Right? It was apart from the works of religion that you were programmed to. So you had to begin to think in new ways. So you were introduced to that. As you shed all of the conditions that you picked up all of your religious life to unconditional love. You had to, re, you had to revamp your thinking. You had to begin to think in a new paradigm and get rid of those conditions that religion had taught you that you had to meet to, you know, to embrace unconditional love. So you, you've, you've already come through this on some level. 
where you've already had an experience, you've had an encounter with God, and now he's saying, I'm going to have to change the way you think so that you can begin to see the fullness of it. So you survive thinking on some level that you were responsible by your choice or decision to finish the finished work of Jesus. You survived your old thinking with new thinking by thinking that the cross was of no effect unless you made a choice or decision. When I look back on those ways that I used to think, they were arrogant. They were very self-righteous. I mean, I was in a position where I thought the entire work of God was shut down till I made a choice or decision, till I acted. So I, I, I thought, yeah, God loves me, but I have to be obedient for Him to really love me. And if I'm not obedient, then the love that He has for me is not going to be an unconditional love, a love without limit. So I put a price tag on it. So I had to come through changes in a way that I thought. You've had to do that too. So we're, 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 we're changing in some ways like that. Let me say how far you've come. <laughs> We've come a long way, baby. In Romans chapter 14, Paul says something. I read it for years, but it sure never registered with me like I see it now. Romans chapter 14, verse 7. It says, none of us live to himself and nobody dies to himself. Nobody lives to himself. Nobody dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. Now that right there is going to take a change in thinking. Some of you here in the digital cathedral just brand new. You're still coming out of some of those religious mindsets. You weren't taught whether you live or die, you're the Lord's. You were taught you were only the Lord's if you prayed the magic prayer. But that's not what he says here. That's not what he's getting at. Now watch what he says. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Look, he, you don't make Jesus Lord. He's already the Lord. You, you, you recognize his lordship, but here's what we, we've recognized. Now, the lordship of Jesus is a lot bigger than we, we used to think. We had to change our minds. We, we had to change our minds from making Him Lord to recognizing He's already the Lord of the living and the dead. Whether you live or die, you're the Lord. That took a whole different process of thinking. All of that shifting, all of that changing has prepared you now to walk into an abundant life, to walk into a kingdom life, to walk in a, 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 a grace-filled, loving, inclusive world where we are, are accepting of all as sons of God. We're embracing the Christ-conscious life. All of, all of the change in thinking has prepared us for that. But the, the, the Father has brought you thus far by His grace and His faith to show us that it only stands to reason now that He has prepared a kingdom for us, a garden for us, to have every need met according to his riches. Huh? I believe that he has. So what's the Holy Spirit teaching? And all of this that I'm saying, what is he teaching us? He's teaching us how to move unlimited supply 
from out of the invisible into the visible realm so that we can use it. Now, are we there? Are, are, we function, are we fully functioning in that? No. We've experienced it on some level. And now he's, he's bringing us some understanding of it. So the experience and the understanding is now going to change our thinking and we're going to begin to walk in things we've never walked in. Huh? So he's helping us. He's moving us in that direction. We, we don't have to create from nothing anything. We simply move what we already possess from within us to without, from inside to outside, from invisible to visible. Isaiah gave us some great, great insight. One in that eighth verse, from verses 8 through 11, that we read at the start from Isaiah 55 when he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. And he goes on to tell us that the word that I speak, it doesn't return void. So what you and I want to do is elevate our thoughts to his thoughts, knowing that as we do his word that he speaks to us will not return void. It will absolutely accomplish everything that it's sent to do. And what we find is having his thoughts move us into his ways. Right? We can minister the word of God and see some, some changes quickly. But the truth about God can help us on some level. Knowing about God is good. Right? There's nothing wrong with knowing about God. But God is more than his thoughts. It's more than just having the thoughts of God. He's also got to be experienced. We also got to enter into his ways. If I, were, if I were wanting is to get his thoughts in our life, to re, you know, get our minds renewed to what he says, it's only half the process. The other half is that we're able to experience the thoughts. We're able to walk into the ways. The thoughts should always lead us into the ways. When the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you and you live out what is revealed, that is called experience. Now, sometimes he may... You may have an encounter with him. And out of that encounter, he will speak a word to you. And out of the word that he speaks to you, you respond to it. And there's an experience then that takes place. That solidifies the whole process. You're, you experience that word that never returns void. And you actually see it accomplishing everything in your life that he sent it to accomplish. Everything that was revealed to you by the Spirit, to your Spirit, he accomplishes, he fulfills. And so out of that experience then, of knowing his thoughts, leading to his ways, you have the experience. That experience gives you something that is permanent and it can't be taken away. Nobody can talk you out of it. Once you know that you know that you know, you get the thoughts, you walk the ways, you respond, you experience, you see the fullness of everything that he told you, spirit to spirit, you've embraced it, no one can take it away. So what are we doing? We're raising our awareness to his thoughts, that we can now enter into his ways. You never experience anything but what is first a thought. Then that, that thought, you develop it, and when you develop the thought, then you act on the thought. So if we can raise our awareness, listen to me, if we can raise our awareness by renewing our mind to his thoughts, 
then his thoughts will lead us into his ways. And his way is to supply all of your need in the visible out of the invisible. As sons and daughters manifest today. As sons and daughters walk in the fullness of the kingdom today. I, I believe we're going to see more and more by spirit how to move what is within, the kingdom within, how to move it to without. How, how to make visible that which has been invisible. His way is to supply all of your needs in the visible from the invisible. So when Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't get conformed to the world. That's why last Sunday morning I spent the whole Sunday morning on talking to you about severing influences in your life that inhibits you from seeing clearly spiritually, from seeing into the realm of the Spirit. Getting that veil off in front of your eyes so that you can look into the mirror and be transformed into the same image from stage to stage or from glory to glory. So, I've said all of that as a builder. I've said all about his thoughts and his leading to his ways, giving us an experience that now we see that his word never returns void in our life. It fulfills what he sent it to fulfill. I've said all of that because I want you to renew your mind to two things this morning. As grace and love lead us into, into a kingdom lifestyle. And man, I've got, I got to tell you this morning, the, 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 the lifestyle of the kingdom is the word for the day. He's pulling us out of a lifestyle that we have been highly trained in for years and years that creates natural responses to natural situations. And he's reprogramming us now to kingdom responses as we walk and live in the kingdom. The kingdom is a, is a kingdom of spirit. It is not a kingdom of soul. It is a kingdom of spirit. So soul has got to be dropped. That's, that's where we leave the conforming to this world and we enter into the transforming by the renewing of our minds. Right? That you can now prove, that you can see, that you can now experience what is good, perfect, and acceptable. That will of God begins to unfold. So I want us to renew that. As we walk in that, we need to be conscious of two things. Two things we need to fill our minds with and say, okay, I come into agreement with that. Right? First thing that we need to agree to is this. That we will live daily very mindful of His omnipresence. Now here's why that's so important. Jesus lived that way. Everything that I'm telling you, Everything I'm teaching you is going gonna, is gonna to evaporate if you're not aware of His presence 24-7. Now, that doesn't mean every second you're going, yes, God is with me, God is with me, God is with me. I, I sense God's with me. I sense God's here. It's not that. But there's an inner knowing. As Jesus said in John 14, 20, He said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you, that the three of us are together as one. Uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the awareness. That's what Jesus walked in. Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, let me read it for you. John chapter 8, verse 28 and verse 29. Watch this. John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus said this, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. 
As the Father taught me, I speak the truth. Now he goes out in verse 29, he takes it down another level. And he says, He who has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Right? He's, he's, he's recognizing the omnipresence of God, that God is always there, that God is constantly with him. He said, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. He never left us, him alone. He never leaves you alone. Part of what will help you shed the soulish bonds and ties, those influences that are family, business, uh, fears, doubt, whatever, whatever it is that's influencing you, trying to pull you back into a, a soulish realm, what will help snip those is an understanding, is an awareness of the, of the continual presence of God in your life. Now, here's why it's important. Here's why it's important. If we don't leave, if we don't live in that conscious awareness of His omnipresence, it leaves the door open for a sense of separation. And I say sense of separation because there is never any separation. There is absolutely nothing that can separate you from God. Nothing. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and verse 29, Paul goes through a whole list of things. Life, death, principalities, things created, not created, things above, things below. There's nothing that can separate you from the presence of God, all right? It is a sense of separation. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 says that we were alienated and separated in our minds by wicked works. You see what, what, what walking in that soulish realm does? What we could... It, it, it might not be wicked in, in the, the sense that we count wickedness, but you know what wicked is? Wicked is anything contrary to what God wants you to think. That's wicked. <laughs> now don't, get, don't get under condemnation here. I'm trying to get you to see the importance of this omnipresence. It creates a sense of separation when you feel that God is not with you. Uh, Baxter Kruger... It, gave me a little a little uh, coin that had John 14, 20 on it. And there were 28 words and scriptures on there all about God's presence and never leaving us. And he gave it to me. He said, I want you to carry this. And he said, know that as you carry it, God is always with you. Baxter's real big on omnipresence. He's real big on perichoresis, the Father, Son, uh, Holy Spirit, and us formed as one together. Never out of one another's sight. Never out of one another's touch. Always one together. So it, it's, not, it's not a separation. It's a sense of separation. It's, it's feeling like you're separated. And you know what that feeling of separation does? Listen, it puts a kink in the supply hose of His speaking to us and leading us to kingdom supply. God meets your needs out of His riches and glory one of three ways. He will either create it he will lead you to it, or it will be drawn and attracted to you. All right? One of those three ways. Now, when you're feeling separated from God, when you're feeling like He's a million miles away, maybe maybe you feel like you messed up. You didn't hadn't prayed in a few days or read your Bible, whatever religious activity you think you have to do to stay connected. All right? You missed church for a few weeks. 
that creates within you that back door where there's this soulish pull that comes in and says to you, you're separated, you have fouled up, you haven't read your Bible, you haven't prayed, you didn't send your tithe check, or whatever it is. And so as a result of that, you feel like the supply will not come. That, that puts a kink in what he's trying to lead you to. So here's what I want you to do. I want you every day, I don't care if you read your Bible, pray, go to church, whatever. You need to shut down a little bit every day and roll around in your mind and meditate. That He alone is the only law of our being. That there is no power but Him. That there is no presence available to us in our mind but Him. You want something to meditate on? Meditate on the fact that Christ is absolutely your life. That outside of Him, you have no life. There is no life for anybody. That's what, that's what Colossians 3 and 11 is all about. Let, let me read Colossians 3 11. I, I, these verses pop up, and then I just feel like if I don't read them and give you full impact of them, I'm, I'm missing something. Watch. Colossians 3 11. He said, There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Watch. But Christ is all and is in all. That is saying omnipresence in spades, my brother. That is, that is saying there is no presence but His presence, and that He is present in all, and especially that Scythian. I don't know if you've heard me teach on the Scythian, but that, that, most people have no idea who the Scythian is. Let me tell you who the Scythian is. And Paul wanted to make sure that you knew Christ was in the Scythian. The Scythian was the most barbaric, unevangelized, nomadic people that lived in what is now present-day Siberia in Russia. Nobody got to the Scythian. Paul said, I want you to know that even that remote Scythian out there that has never heard anything about anything, that Christ is in them as well. So, what, what does Paul say? Paul say, just get our minds renewed. So when you get your mind renewed, I want you to meditate on this. There's only one truth. One life, one source, one power. Everything comes from Him, goes through Him, and back to Him. And if, if I need to be legal about that, that's a Romans 11.36. That's the way God works from Him, through Him, and then back to Him. It's in a circular fashion. Now, when those thoughts, when you meditate those thoughts, and your mind begins to be transformed, and you come out of all that soulish activity and that conformity to the world, and those influences are cut as Jesus cut, even with his mother and his brothers in Matthew 12. And you start to walk in the Spirit. You know what, you know what, you know what you're going to begin to think? Thoughts are going to begin to come up well up in your mind like this. You're going to begin to think, hey, you know what? Wherever I am, God is there already. You're going to begin to think like Jesus, and you're going to think, man, everything that the Father has is mine. You'll start to think, you know what? It really is the Father's delight to give me the kingdom. You mean, I really believe the kingdom is in me now. It is God on you one day that your spirit and God's spirit is one spirit. That you are, in fact, as Paul says, one spirit with the Lord. So the more truth that you filter through the renewing of your mind, the more seeds that are planted into your heart 
And the more free you become, and the more you find producing out of this kingdom within the word that he's planted there, that does not return void, but accomplishes everything the seed is intended to accomplish that is planted within. James said, receive with meekness the engrafted word. That word that has come in and is firmly planted. The engrafted, it, it, that, that, that seed, that word has become one with you. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. You know what that word is speaking? That word is speaking is not a written word. It is a word that he speaks to you. In fact, it's him himself. When you receive him engrafted into your life, that word, he will become like a seed that joins himself to you, becomes one with you. And the full, full potential of what he has planted within you begins to arise and begins to flow. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his implantedness within us. And all these things will be added. All right? when, when you have an apple seed, you have one little apple seed here. This is like the word. When you look at that apple seed, you don't see an apple tree unless you're looking by faith. In fact, you don't see an entire orchard, but within that one apple seed is an apple tree. And even bigger than that, there's an entire apple orchard within that one seed. When, when a sperm and an egg join together, there is in that embryo that is formed. Everything in that embryo, everything that that person will become. And all that has to happen is for that apple seed or that embryo to, is to develop is to grow, is to mature. Everything that we are or could ever become has been placed within us. And Peter called it an incorruptible seed. Wow. He said that in Second in 1 Peter chapter 1. I, 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 I need to read that for you too. 1 Peter chapter 1. Right out of the chute. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. The Word of God that birthed you, the incorruptible seed that came to reside within you, is Jesus. He lives and resides within you. That seed, that spoken word abides in you and it will grow, it will bear what that seed represents. When his seed enters your being and we renew our mind to its truth, you can stand back like Mary and say, be it unto me according to that seed. Or be it unto me according to that word. And once he plants the seed in there, and you, and you say, be it unto me according to the seed, what, what do you do then? I'll tell you exactly what you do. You rest, you trust, and you breathe. And you let the power of God develop that seed that is in you to its fullest. You don't have to work at it. You have to rest. That means you just respond to what he says. He says, you know what we need for that seed? We need a little bit of water. So here's what I want you to do. We need a little bit of fertilizer on that seed. Here's where I want you to go. Huh? Whatever he directs you to do, but that seed is developing. 
that apple tree might be invisible when all you got is a seed in your head. You, you know, you have to really stretch your imagination to see the apple tree, but it's there. It will produce. When He speaks a word to you and that word comes down and begins to take root with, with, within, it might take a great stretch of faith to look at what He said that word would do, but I'm going to tell you something. It will produce. All you have is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen at that point, but His Word will produce and accomplish what He sent it to accomplish. All of that is aided by your awareness of His continual presence. That's why I said this morning, omnipresence is so important. Omnipresence, being aware that He is always with you. Now here's the second thing I want you to feel, renew your mind to. All right? Have you got it? You're going, to, you're going to live point forward every day, driving in your car, whatever comes to your mind, to say, Father, thank you that you're always with me. You don't have to say a word. Just recognize His presence is sitting in the seat next to you. His presence is walking down the street with you. You walk into Walmart, He walks in. The Holy Ghost just walked in Walmart with you. Right? Wherever you go, He goes. Right? In addition to that, I want you to hook that omnipresence, that sense of omnipresence up to receiving His grace in its full measure. And His measure is big. He doesn't use a teaspoon to, to dole out favor. His grace to you is, is a truckload. It is pressed down. His favor is shaken together. His favor is running over the top. To grasp how big His favor is, to bring you visibility from the invisible, will require that you learn how to be quiet and be receptive. Don't, don't on your own try to figure it out. Let, let me be specific. Let me be specific. No matter what area of your life you're facing a problem in, right? no matter what area it is, listen to his thoughts. They will lead you to his ways. That's the tree of life. Doesn't matter what you're facing marriage problems, kid problems, money problems, listen. Listen to his thoughts. They lead you to his ways. Now, as you're, as you're traveling in his ways, you might have to cast down some imaginations. You might have to cast down some plans of good action that you've come up with. But his measure of grace will free you from taking thought for tomorrow, or even it will even eliminate all of the mind games that we go through, right? Most of us have not received assurance of His favor on that level, and you need to receive it. You need to acknowledge it. That's what, what you need to do. Grace puts on the mind of Christ, which we all have. And we put on that mind of Christ, we enter into that, that full measure of grace by simply bringing up the thoughts of God to our awareness, and we meditate on them. We meditate over and over and over on His thoughts. Get quiet. Let him speak. Whatever you say. Look, you say, well, what if I, what if I make a mistake? Well, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to hit it 100%. But you will learn what his thoughts sound like when they arise within by, by, by stepping out and going for it. Right? You just listen. You're not going to make a decision or choice that is so bad that he's not going to be able to just take you and turn you back 
to where He wanted you. If you're honest and sincere and say, look, I'm really I'm lo looking to hear Him and I'm quieting myself every day. And when you quiet yourself, get rid of all the thoughts. See, those are the soulish thoughts. You can pick up the soulish connections real quick when you get quiet. The soulish connections will tell you, you better go take care of this right now. You better go make that phone call. You better go see this person. You better go pay that bill. You better go to the grocery store right now. You better clean the house, run the back. It'll tell you all the things that you're soulishly connected to. It takes a little bit of effort and work to enter His rest. And the work that you, you go through is, is dismantling all of the thought patterns that we've accumulated. Right? So His measure of grace is going to free you from taking thought. It's going to free you from, from, from worrying. Grace is going to put on that mind of Christ of what we have. And you get that by just bringing His thoughts up. Bringing His thoughts up. We're not accustomed to doing that. You know what we're accustomed to doing? Our quiet time is this. Here's Some of you at the digital cathedral, your quiet time is still this. Listen to me. You're accustomed to praying in your quiet time. And as you pray, you tell God how and when to do what you think is good and needs to be done. That's how you spend your quiet time. You don't listen. You spend your time telling God, giving Him orders. Telling Him how and when and what's the best plan of action. Isaiah chapter 40 says, who are we to give God counsel? Right? Who are we to give God counsel? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I, we, look, sometimes we know we shouldn't do it, but we feel so boxed in. We feel in such a panic mode. All these influences are pulling on us. That's why I've taken so much time and will continue next week, next weeks, to get you free of those entanglements and those, those good things that are influencing your life, that are putting a veil over you, seeing directly into the Spirit. Paul says, we've not received the Spirit of the world again to bondage. But we have received the Spirit from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You will never know what's been freely given to you by God by contemplating the things of the world. He said, These things we also speak not in, in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. Right? So you need to sit down and let arise within you spiritual thoughts. You know, and, and when imaginations come, you cast them out. When fears come, you drive them away. You know what? That takes, that might, I'll tell you, it may take you, when you start, it may take you an hour to get quiet. Don't, don't, don't do five minutes and jump up and run out and do something. If you're serious about this, it may take you an hour. Now, you're going to get to a place where you can walk into that realm almost immediately. You can walk into that realm when you drive your car, when you're in the store. You can detach from the, the soulish pull that has you right there, and you can enter into that place where you begin to hear the Spirit. Right? He says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him, nor can he receive them because they are spiritually discerned. A spiritual man does not instruct God. He receives the things God has for him through his spirit, and then he acts on them. 
There's another place where Paul said that no man knows the spirit of a man except the spirit of man that's in him, and no man knows God except the spirit of God that's in God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says that when we were a child, we spoke as a child, you know, we acted like a child, but finally we're becoming men, we're putting away those childish things. This is a progression. It's a growing, it's a coming into an awareness. And you have to experience it for yourself. So the omnipresence of God, His all-encompassing presence, always in His presence, you're never outside of His presence. And that, that presence takes us then into the full measure of His grace. And when you have an awareness of His presence, and you're filled with the knowledge that, you know what, I, everything God has, all of His favor is mine, that gives you boldness to enter the throne of grace and to receive the fullness of the kingdom supply to live the abundant life that He promised you that you could live. So here's the natural progression, right? Here's the natural progression. It starts with the seed, then the blade, then the full corn in the ear. We've been very underdeveloped in this. The church has kept us very spirit underdeveloped. It has developed, we've got great big soul muscles, but we've got itty bitty soul, uh, spirit muscles. Today we're reversing that. We're starting to work the spirit out, and we're just letting the soul evaporate. We're letting the soul go. All right? As you seek first the kingdom of God and you focus on the supply that the kingdom said it would give to us, and we renew our minds, we raise our awareness to His thoughts. And as we seek first the kingdom of God and elevate our thoughts and renew our mind to His thoughts, He leads us into His ways. He leads us into a conscious awareness of our oneness with Him and the favor that He has for us. And then all the things that are added to us begin to flow to us. Remember, either He will create them, He will lead us to it, or it will be drawn and attracted to us. A God consciousness will yield the fruit of the law of the Spirit of life that you possess now, fully in Jesus' name. All right, let me just end with this scripture. Ponder this this week. For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Talk about omnipresence. Talking about thoughts and weight. It all dwells in Jesus. Colossians 1.9. Verse 10. And you are complete in this one who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Folks, there's nothing we lack. There's nothing we don't have. I know you might have heard that for years. You heard that in religion. But the problem was it never produced anything. The Spirit of God is now, is now becoming very practical. He's taking us into ways of bringing the invisible into the visible. So as we take time and we cut all of these soulish ties off of us, the influences, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about, you know, robbing the bank or cheating, or I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the influences that in many cases are, are positive and good, and we just accepted them. But they have blinded us to the realm of the Spirit, and we have to be cut free of those things. Relationships that you develop henceforth will be Spirit-developed relationships. 
you're going to find that a lot of your soulish connections, people that were connected to you because you could do something for them, and you entered into it because you saw they could do something for you, you know what? He's going to cut those. It's going to hurt and it's going to disappoint because you thought they were your friends. As you move deeper into this, you're going to find that you had fewer and fewer friends that you drug from those influencing days of soulish activity. But you're going to find that God begins to replace them with spirit connections from all over the world. Thank God for a place like the Digital Cathedral where we can make those connections. All right, Wednesday night we'll talk about omnipresence meets grace. Take it down another level. Do some serious thinking and meditation this week and know this, that God is with you always and His favor resides upon your life to a maximum extent. We thank you for being with us today on the Digital Cathedral. We trust that today's teaching helped you in your journey to the abundant life Jesus has freely given to all. If you would like to help support us in spreading the gospel of grace, you can do so by going to donkeithley.com to make your donation. We thank you for your prayers and continued monthly support and look forward to seeing you again next week at the Digital Cathedral.